Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. They offer free checking with industry-leading mobile banking. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. What's going on, Hokie Nation? Saturday was a tough one for Virginia Tech on the road as they fell 35-16 to Rutgers. Back-to-back losses puts the Hokies at 1-2 on the season as a team decimated by injuries continues to search for answers. We'll look big picture today and we'll also talk about this game and what this upcoming week means for Virginia Tech football and efforts to salvage the 2023 season. It's episode 312 of the Tech Sideline Podcast and it starts right now. Record on Monday, September 18th, 2023, from the Virginia Tech High Tech Corporate Research Center. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel and please share the podcast with a friend. Of course, we'll introduce our football crew on set. To my right, lead analyst and columnist, Mr. Chris Coleman. Across the way, senior staff writer Andy Bitter. And in the fourth chair, of course, managing editor David Cunningham. Nick Brown, producing behind the scenes. And I'm your host, Giovanni Heater. Well, fellas, I'll ask you this first. You know, how was the game for you guys? Long trip up to uh, Piscataway for uh, Andy and David. You guys spent a lot of time in the car together, I'm sure. Uh, what was that like for you? It was a good trip. I've never been to Rutgers before. I was actually impressed with the game day atmosphere. They had a whole bunch of food trucks lined up outside. I guess they don't normally do that, but uh, I thought the the atmosphere was really good. Very New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> you know, walking, you know, a lot of Springsteen, a lot of Bon Jovi. They had the Sopranos theme uh, at the end. I thought it was a good crowd and a good atmosphere and, uh, you know, not the game that, that the Hokies fans would have liked, but I, you know, I actually thought that was a good matchup. You hear so much about Rutgers and like, oh, they're the, the joke of the Big Ten. I thought it was a really nice atmosphere. Yeah, I think Rutgers for so long, um, I, I was talking with uh, with some guys on a Rutgers podcast last week, and they were telling me about how, you know, Rutgers hasn't won a lot in recent years, um, but I don't think you could really tell by the crowd, and there were a lot of, a lot of folks out there I wouldn't say it was quite a sellout but I mean it was a pretty packed stadium and uh lots of red they, the fans seemed pretty into it the entire time I really liked the stadium too um pretty simple I think kind of just um you know a, a second layer on the east and west sides of the stadium but uh, overall I, I had a good trip and besides traffic and a lot of rain getting back uh it was a good trip yeah, I think Rutgers, uh, they got Michigan this week. So maybe yes. all the celebrities in the first month of the season before they get in and play that Big Ten East uh, division and reality sets in for a lot of them. Yeah, they take a trip to the big house. I was very impressed as well. I mean, I, I thought the students stayed pretty much the entire game, which was pretty cool. Uh, and the place was packed. It was their scarlet out game. Uh, I kind of walked in and Rutgers fans would probably be upset, but I was like, oh, is this going to be kind of like a Duke type atmosphere where they just don't have a great crowd? And no, the place was... Uh, jam-packed, a lot of energy. That train horn, uh, everyone said they thought it was obnoxious. I kind of thought it was awesome, but maybe because Syracuse does it as well. I don't quite understand the train. Is there like a train up there? Is that why they that do the I train horn? Know. I don't know what the history of the loud. horn is. Back, back in the day, I remember watching the 97 Tech Rutgers game. On, it was on either ESPN or ESPN2. 
And Tech won that game, I think it was like 60 to 20 or something like that. But whenever Rutgers scored, this was, I guess this was before they enclosed the end zone. It was just a hill there. They had Revolutionary War reenactors shooting off a cannon. They had guys in the corner. Yeah. They were Did dressed they as, that? yeah, they were okay. dressed as uh, Minutemen yes. or whatever Christian. it was. Okay. I was wondering why the guy was out there with baggy pants before the game. <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, that's what okay. that, that's but, what the, that's they but they didn't have a cannon, though. So. They did no, have a cannon. Yeah. 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 Okay. Chris, you're talking about the, the 1997 game? Yeah. 59 19 on ESPN. Okay. Yeah, they warn you ahead of time that there's if you're down on the field that there's okay. a cannon. Yeah, there's like a, not to It's not as big you. as Skipper though. It's yeah. like a little right. tinier. Yeah, yeah. I uh I, I made I made good friends with those guys while I was down there on the sidelines because I had to walk past them about five hundred times and mm-hmm. ask like, Are you is it okay so I don't get blown by a cannon? You know? <laughs> um so nice guys. It was cool. They had the costumes on. Yeah. But um nevertheless, where'd you watch the game from, Chris? I watched it at Champs. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, did you watch the whole game from Champs, or were you I so did. disgusted that you left? To I watched the entire game at Champs, uh, and I didn't get disgusted because, like, we're just we're just kind of used to it at this point. You sounded disgusted about the Purdue result. You is this more just sort of beaten down? It, it, by was, the result? it wasn't necessarily the result against Purdue. It was more about the clear domination in the trenches on both sides of the ball, win or lose. That's the most demoralizing thing in football. If you're a fan or you're a player or a coach or whatever is when you just get thoroughly dominated in the trenches. And uh, so I think that three, three games in, that's kind of who Virginia Tech is right now. um, They're playing poorly run defense. Each of their opponents has set their season high in rushing yardage and yards per carry against Virginia Tech. All three of those teams. Well, as always, Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. Go ahead and check out their new Checking with Perks account that comes with cell phone protection, roadside assistance, fuel savings, deals and discounts, and so much more. Visit firstbank.com to learn about this great new account for students. Well, let's get into this ball game and uh, and talk about things. First and foremost, let's go with the quarterbacks. What did you see out of Kyron Drones? Went 19 to 32, 190 yards for a touchdown and an interception through the air. Ran the ball 22 times for 74 yards. Your thoughts? Is he the answer moving forward? Were you pleased? Disappointed? I think uh, statistically. He kind of ended up about where I would have guessed maybe going into the game, but he got there in a different way than I thought he would. I thought he did better in the traditional passing game than I would have thought. Um, I thought Bowen, for schematically, had his best game. He, he rolled drones out, changed his release point, which made it more difficult to tee off on one spot of the field. You get the defense moving side to sideline a little bit more. It opens up an inside running game to a certain extent. Um, so I thought uh, Bowen had his best game. And and I think that helped Drones and helped him execute. Uh, when you roll a guy out, he only has to read half the field. Um, so good job by Bowen making things easier on, on the quarterback this year. And I, I thought Drones got better as the game went on. He was a better quarterback in the fourth quarter than he was in the first quarter. Uh, again, going on things that I would have expected the opposite, whereas I thought he did better in the traditional passing game than I thought he would. He didn't do as well in the read option game as, as I thought. I mean, he may, he left, Price said it, he left yards on, on the field and uh, uh, lost, also left a fumble on the field uh, after a misread early on. But, you know, it's a, it's a starting point. Um, I think Bowen seems more comfortable scheming up and calling plays for him. Um, now, the one caveat to that is, you know, Rutgers had no film of exactly what the Tech offense would look like with him, and and Marshall will have one game's worth of film. And sometimes, you know, it's always easy to say, oh, quarterback, they should improve between game one and two. 
the opposite can happen if the film gets out. I mean, we saw what happened with UVA's quarterback after going off against JMU. He has four turnovers the, the, the next game after the film gets out. But, you know, I was encouraged by it. But at the same time, my overall view of the Tech offense hasn't changed. I'm encouraged by something, but yet when I look at the final line, I see 16 points, and which is never going to be good enough. Yeah, I, I think if you had told me before the game that Virginia Tech would lose by 19 going up to Rutgers, I would have said, well, the quarterback would have played a big part in that. He just probably wouldn't have played well, and that was not the case. They did not lose by 19 because of the way Drones played. I thought Drones handled himself very well uh, in his first start. He threw the ball better than I thought he would. Uh, the way they had described it all preseason, they did, they made it sound like there was this you know gulf between the way Wells threw the ball and Drones threw the ball. I didn't I didn't think that was the case. I thought he threw the ball very well. Uh, you know his stats would look even better. He, he put that deep ball on the money to Daquan Felton, uh, dropped it right in his hands. He yep. was on the run. I don't know if he scores or if he gets caught on that, but that's like another fifty yards at least on that play. I think of another couple plays out there where he put the pass right there. Could have been made down the field. Uh, so threw the ball better than I thought he did. Like Chris said, I, th- I think he got better as the game went on and he got into the comfort of the game. And you know, maybe you're playing against a little bit softer defense once Rutgers has a lead. But, you know, he made those throws and got those yards. And I think he gave a jolt to the running game. Uh, you know, we're talking about 11 yards last week against Purdue. And they had that by, you know, five minutes in or whatever it was the other day. And I think Drones, let's see, he finished with... 74 74. rushing yards, 74 of their 129 rushing yards. So the, you know, the traditional ground game is still not churning out yards in a huge way, but you see what drones can do when those QB draws, a lot of those were designed scrambles, uh, like Chris said, rolling them out. He was really effective uh, running like that. I I think, especially if you don't have Ali Jennings going forward, Jalen Lane didn't play in this game, the hamstring deal they tested out. I mean, those are two, receiver weapons that you don't have you're going to need a running back that can make some plays with his legs because I I don't think this offense is quite the same as what they thought at the beginning of the season he almost seemed a little more comfortable when he was rolling out throwing the football than he did when he was just sitting back there in the pocket at least at least from my eyes anyways and it is tougher to tell uh, when you're down on the field I'll ask you guys this healthy Grant Wells plays in this ball game you know, kind of who you taking at this point. It, 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 you want to see Kyron out there? You want to see Grant? Because that is the conversation all over Twitter and everywhere else. Well, I don't think Wells is healthy, first of all. So we're having a hypothetical discussion <laughs> fair, here that fair. doesn't really apply to this situation. He, he Like, they dressed him up in pregame, and he was moving around there barely. I mean, he was going pretty... You know, pretty tepid through uh, through warm-ups. They, they do that thing in the stretching line where they go backwards and do high knees, and Grant was just jogging next to them. He wasn't going to do anything like that. So it was pretty obvious he was not going to play in this game, and the way he was moving around, I would not expect him this week either. You know, it's a long time, a week between games, but uh, just the way he was moving, I, I'm a little bit doubtful that he would play this week. But where this offense is and what this offensive line is, I think having a mobile quarterback back there really does open some things up. I mean, it it does open up things in the ground game because it's an extra hat you have to worry about on defense. Um, it opens things up in the passing game because he can move around better behind there. You know, protection's not going to be great. You're going to need somebody who can be mobile back there. And even if, if he, even if Grant comes back, I don't think he's going to be at 100%. And if he's not 100%, how well can he move in the pocket? So uh, for this offense, uh, missing the receivers that they're having right now, with the offensive line that they have, with the running game struggling like it does, I think Drones has the skill set that's more advantageous right now. Yeah, that's probably accurate. You know, um, contingent on he either improves or doesn't get worse. 
you know, um, well, like I said, film gets out, we'll see. But generally speaking, I agree with that. And I think Bowen, Bowen just seemed more comfortable scheming with someone with drones as skill set. Now, they did some things that they could have been doing before. They could have moved the pocket before, and they just chose not to for whatever reason. Uh, better late than never, I guess. Um, but there were they just they did a few different things in the passing game that I thought was better this week. So if if Bowen is just more comfortable scheming with drones' skill set, then that's who needs to be the guy. But uh, there's a lot of things to evaluate. Like Andy said, I think it's going to be a while before we see Wells at least another week, if not longer. So there's going to be more time to evaluate drones. And, and yeah, there'll be a point at the season where they have to make a decision. And they'll have a lot more information by then. And, uh, and they'll be able to make a, make a better decision than, than they, would, they would if they, like, had to make it this week. But they don't have to make it this week because it's a moot point right now. What's going through your guys' head when – second play from scrimmage, the fumble, and then two plays later, Rutgers is in the end zone, and you're saying, geez, like, here we go again. That, that's you know, break that. that down for us. Pretty much that. Um, you, you know, you weren't expecting smooth sailing and things like that. Uh, well, you never have smooth sailing with Virginia Tech offensively, so we already know that. So now you've got Virginia Tech offensively with a quarterback making his first career start, and uh, – you knew something was going to happen at some point. You didn't know when it would, you were, when it was going to come. You were hoping that it wouldn't be the second play of the game. But, you know, it wasn't a surprise. It was a misread on the read option. Uh, Tootin was not looking for the handoff because the defensive end was parked on him. And so he was shocked when, you know, the ball got left right here. So nobody secured it, and that's what happens. Uh, so that's just something, you know, he'll have to watch on film and get better at in the future because, you know, that had the potential to go for, you know, at least very at the, the very least a first down because what it was like second and two or some, something like that, um, so not not too surprised. But you like I said, you knew mistakes were going to happen at some point. Ideally, what you wanted was to win the turnover battle or break even. But Tech unfortunately was minus two. I was thinking, hey, this is improvement. Last time they played Rutgers, Rutgers scored a touchdown the second play of the game. This time it was the third play oh, of the wow. game. So, so a lot better. No, I was <laughs> I was actually thinking they've done exactly what they can't do. They got in a hole yeah. early on. And uh, this is back-to-back games now. You're down 17-0 against Purdue. You're down 21-3 eventually at halftime uh, against Rutgers. And this is just not a team that's built to play from behind like that. They're not good enough to come out, come from behind by three scores like that. And they've done it two weeks in a row. And then granted they came back and they tied up against the, uh, the game against Purdue, but it takes so much effort and so much of your energy to get out of that hole and to tie it up that you get to the end of the game. You're like, well, what do you have left in the tank to be able to win this thing? Well, and to your point, Andy, some things have to, in order to make a comeback like that have to go your way, right? You think about the uh, hit below the waist, Uh, against Purdue that gave Virginia Tech an opportunity to continue to extend that drive before the halftime break and and things like that um, things didn't necessarily shake out that way was there ever a point in this game and I do want to get into the numbers here uh, in just a little bit but was there ever a point in this game where you said oh shoot Tech's gonna win this thing because when they went down and Granted, they missed the two-point conversion, but they had that where they could have made it a three-point game Uh, that in that moment I said shoot like Tech fans are kind of taking over the stadium a little bit here. I was like, we might win this thing. Did you guys ever have that, or did you never quite get that? I'm sitting there thinking, if we can get a turnover on the next drive or something like that, or a really positive play, then continue the momentum. Um, 
Uh, I thought they would have a chance, but uh, that third and one play, I, it was, Rutgers bounced back very quickly. Well, yeah, they, they when they're down twenty one sixteen, I'm thinking they've got a shot. I mean, it's fourth quarter; you're down by five points. Obviously, you have a shot, and they had not given up anything really in the third quarter. They defended pretty mm-hmm. well throughout those fifteen minutes. But again, it's just you expend so much energy and you have to play perfect so much that you can't even give up a play like that. And all of a sudden, that that fifty five yarder breaks up the sideline. It's like okay. That felt like a backbreaker. It's, it's like, okay, this is over at this point. Virginia Tech's not coming back from this. So, uh, again, you, just not a team that's built to play from behind like that the entire game. They've got to get a lead, feel a little bit more comfortable about themselves, allow themselves to make a mistake here or there, and still be in the game. So you look at the passing game. Gavin wins that, just complete seven passes, 16 total attempts, 46 yards uh, through the air for a touchdown for Rutgers. It's the rushing game where they absolutely depleted the Hokies. 256 total rushing yards. Monangai, the uh, starting tailback, had three touchdowns, 143 yards on the day. It felt like you were watching an abbreviated version of Israel Abadankanda for Pitt mm-hmm. last year. Uh, and then Wims at the quarterback, rushes for 87 yards and a touchdown uh, as well. What went wrong in the row? Like, why is this problem continuing? So many things. Um, there are injuries at safety, of course. And you can see run fit issues there because of the injuries on, on the back end. Uh, that's a big deal. Tech does not have a natural Mike linebacker. Um, you know, the guys they do have in the program that are natural Mikes are true freshmen and, and you know, redshirting. And, and one Tisdale of, one, didn't one, play? Well, he's not a natural Mike. Right. He was a high school so- – Tech's top three mics were all high school safeties. That doesn't work. You know, that's, that's not going to work. Um, and, you know, of course, they, they tried They tried to get a mic from the portal. They did. He was here for like two weeks and was gone. So that that they tried, but they just couldn't quite pull it off. And then I don't think they're just, I don't think they're playing as well up front as they did last year. You got those top three defensive tackles who combined for one tackle. And it's not... Making tackles isn't, you know, the be-all, end-all for defensive tackles per se, but when the only thing the other team is doing is just running smash-mouth football right at you and then those three guys combine for one tackle, you probably need a little more production than that. So the tackling's bad, and some of that is the missing players on the back end, but some of it is like Tech's former, uh, well, not former, but uh, returning players who played at a high level last year not doing as well. Like Mansoor Delane. He was an awesome tackler last year. Like he was almost Kyle Fuller level tackles. Well, he's already missed four times as many tackles this year as he did last year in one quarter of the snaps. And I'm not picking on Mansoor, but that's because I ran an article last week showing a bunch of guys on defense were on pace to miss more tackles than they did last year. Um, just a combination of things. Some some of which is out of tax control. Some of which is not. Um, the, the 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 disappointing part to me though is some of those returning guys not being as good as they were last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the frustrating part, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, is, you know, this is the defense is prized specialty. Like, you expected some growing pains on offense. You're like, okay, this is a complete rebuild on the offense. Going to take some time. Guys getting in here. They had some offensive staff turnover in the offseason. This defensive staff has been intact the whole time. This is prize specialty. He turned the play calling duties over to Chris Marv. He felt so comfortable about where the defense was at. Uh, this is where you expected them to, to to hit the ground running, really, as a coaching staff, and they've gotten worse this year. 
at stopping the run. And yeah, some of it's personnel, but I think as a coach, you've got to figure some of that stuff out, especially if you're you know, a defensive coach and that's where you you know made your bones coming up in the business. Um, you look at their their issues, and yeah, the the run fits have just been bad, and it's they're breaking big runs as a result. They have uh, allowed eight. Let's see, the eighth most uh, runs of ten or more yards this year, eighth most nationally. Uh, eight have gone for twenty or more yards. There's only three schools that have allowed more, and that's Western Kentucky, Buffalo, and North Texas. Not steel curtain defenses out there that we're talking about. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, you maybe can stop plays here and there, but if you give up a 55-yarder or a 34-yard touchdown on a quarterback draw up the gut where he's not even touched, I mean, that's how out of place guys were is that he wasn't even touched going up the middle. Uh, you've got problems in the run game. You, you go back to that Israel-Abanacanda game uh, against Pitt last year. That Pitt ran for more yards in that game. They actually averaged about the same per carry. So that's how bad the run game was in this one. In a game where a guy ran for 300 yards against them, they, they, they had the same yards against per carry against Rutgers. Wow. I, I think the, probably the disappointing thing about this game is the manner in which they racked up those yards. Because in the first game, okay, ODU, new offensive scheme, maybe you see some things you're not prepared for, and they get some yardage as a result. Second game, okay, the Tech offense couldn't pick up first downs in the second half, so the defense is on the field a lot, so they got worn down at the end of the game. Okay, well, you know, they'll be better next week because neither one of those things are going to apply probably in this game, and they didn't apply. Tech had the ball for 30, over 33 minutes and ran 71 plays to Rutgers 50, so there wasn't... T.O.P., big T.O.P. advantage. Yeah, exactly, didn't play so fatigue wasn't an issue, in. and they knew exactly what was coming. They knew exactly what was coming. I mean, the Rutgers only threw it 12 times. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a... Like, oh, they tricked him with this play. Yeah. They were pretty straightforward with what they were running and running it over and over, yeah. and Tech still couldn't stop them it's, in certain it's, it's situations. Like the, the Tech defense right now has become what Tech fans used to make fun of, just not just not, not good enough, not physical enough, not smart enough, not tackling well enough. It's like the physical play has dropped off so much on defense. Tackling's bad. Guys aren't getting off blocks. So you have to wonder, like, why is that? And that's where Tech's, you know, veteran players are up front. So, yes, there are problems on the back end, but there's a lot of problems up to, up front, too. So, like, it doesn't surprise me too much that most Phillips' true freshman safety isn't very effective or that converted wide receiver Jalen Jones isn't playing well at safety. What surprises me is, like, Tech isn't getting particularly good play from guys up front who have been, you know, solid players for him in the past. You think about some of those rushing defenses in the past, and they didn't just have – guys that would eat up space on the defensive line. Like Tim Settle played in the backfield. Ricky Walker played in the backfield. Derek Hopkins going way back, played in the backfield. They didn't just eat up blocks. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's all three levels. They need to be better defensively. And, I mean, that that's a major challenge. It's not getting easier once you get into ACC play in, in the way some of these teams run the ball. Fortunately, Marshall has a mobile quarterback and a 1,400-yard rusher. Good times. Good timing. Wow. <laughs> that works out beautifully. David, you got something for us in the fourth chair? Um, I, I think this is this stat's very interesting. Uh, Virginia Tech had 15 third down plays to Rutgers. Rutgers had 13. Virginia Tech averaged 2.7 yards on third down. 41 yards on 15 plays. Rutgers averaged 10.5 yards on third down. 136 yards on 13 plays. Now, again, Rutgers only threw the ball 16 times and only twice on third down, one of two for seven yards. 
Rutgers ran the ball 11 times for 129 yards and two touchdowns on third down. Like, and a lot of these, if you break down the third down statistics, Rutgers was 4 of 4 on third and three or shorter, and 2 of 5 on third, on anywhere between third and four and third and seven. Rutgers got itself in good situations. Rutgers didn't have didn't run more plays, didn't have more time of possession, but it put itself in in good situations, and it kind of just waited for Tech to crack. And that that that's really the only thing. And and you talk about you know Andy and Chris are talking about defensive struggles overall. Um, you know Kelly Lawson leading tackler with, with eleven. Um, there was only there were only three tackles for loss. Tech didn't get a push at all. Lawson had one. Jaden Keller had half of one. Derek Cantine had half of one, and Josh Fuga had one. And that that's it. Tech didn't have a uh, uh, Tech didn't have a presence in the backfield at all. Kind of like what Andy said, there weren't guys quote unquote eating up blocks. Um, and it got to the point where I think when when you are a Virginia Tech defense and you have your your secondary is as young as it is, where you're playing a true freshman safety, uh, and you're playing a converted wide receiver junior at safety. I mean, we saw it on that 55 yard touchdown run on third and one, which I would say was the deciding play in the game. Rutgers motioned the guy over, cleared the the weak side of the field. Jalen Jones was too far pinched in. Most Phillips was on the complete other side of the field. And there was no help. Mm. Like, like that was a perfect example of Rutgers manipulating very casually and easy, manipulating a very young and exper- inexperienced Virginia Tech defense. And I think you point to the injuries. Sure, Alan Tisdale didn't play. We don't know why. Jalen Stroman went out. We don't know why. Uh, Nasir Peoples has not played the last two weeks. Um but there are like big picture depth problems. And I think that is the biggest thing. Like you look at, you know, even the starters, the guys who have been in this program for a while, the Josh Fugas, the Mario Kendricks, the, um, uh, th- those guys have been around for a while, but they didn't make any plays really either. So it like, like they both said, it's kind of at all levels at this point, And the depth is showing tech is, you know, tech was thin before injuries. And now Tech's even thinner. To, to jump onto your point about that third down play, I believe Rutgers called a timeout before that play. Yeah, they did. So they set up that play. That was an intent. That was an intentional play. They knew Jalen Jones was going to be lined up on that side of the field, and so they sent the man in motion to make it. You know, just make Jalen Jones make a play in space. He's isolated there, right? So that was a concerted effort by Rutgers on a third and short play to isolate Virginia Tech's weakest defender. It's a really good. And he coaching. got caught up at the line. Right, right. It was a really good coaching job uh, by by Rutgers, and that's you were hoping for improvement there over three games, but we haven't seen it uh, at this point. They need to move De- either Delane or Canteen to safety, especially now that maybe Stroman is out. Um, I don't think you can go into next week's games with the with the possibility of of both Mose Phillips and Jalen Jones starting at safety. Like at least one of those spots is going to be need, need to need to be filled by by either Canteen or Delane, and uh, hopefully Stroman is able to play. When it comes down to it, I would rather trust like a true freshman corner than a true freshman safety. Corner is a lot easier 
to play as a true freshman than safety is. There's a reason throughout Virginia Tech football history, seen so many true freshman corners make impacts, but true freshman safeties making an impact has been extremely rare. So that's one thing Virginia Tech can do that could help their run defense some this week is, is they need to move one of those two corners back to the and start them in safety. I think big picture, what is the disappointing part for Virginia Tech is we always hear about defensive coordinators say we, we want to make them one dimensional. We want to you know get them into one thing that we know what to do and we're going to stop it. I mean, records was one dimensional. <laughs> they weren't yeah. forced to be one dimensional. They just were. They didn't really pass the ball at all. That Virginia Tech knew they were going to run it. Rutgers knew they were going to run it. They were just going to go straight at them and, and Tech was still helpless to stop it. Uh, by the end of the game. So uh, just, you know, I keep coming back to it. That's the side of the ball that you would have expected to be fixed first here and to be closer to being the finished product. Uh, and it feels just as far away as the offense right now. Yeah, it really does. And I agree that it's probably more disappointing. Like I thought the running game offensively would be better, but based on what we saw last year, I'm not surprised that it's not. But I am really surprised at the drop-off on defense. Uh, you don't necessarily think – you're going to be dominant or anything like that. But, I mean, Tech is one of the worst teams in the country stopping the run. And, I mean, Wimsat, uh, gosh, he was one of two for seven yards on third down and complete and passed for 46 yards and 2.9 yards per attempt. And you lost by 19. Like, that's, that's it's hard to – if you told me those stats before the game, I would have been like, all right, now we're talking. Pretty good chance for a road win there. But it's just not how it worked out. Yeah, I think you look at – um, it wasn't, you know, Rutgers had three plays of 20 more or more yards. So it wasn't like there were these huge plays every single drive. But two of those were touchdowns. One of them was a 34-yarder from Wimsett, and the other was from Anungai, the 55-yarder. Rutgers had two rushes of 20 yards. Those were the two. Six rushes of 10 yards. But they just keep putting kept putting Virginia Tech in these compromisable positions. And I think the fact that Virginia Tech might have some of the best cornerback, like like Tech has a really solid cornerback trio, maybe one of the best in the conference. But I don't know, You Virginia Tech might go the entire season and those guys might not be truly tested because the run defense is so bad that teams don't have to throw the ball. And, and this Rutgers rushing offense, I don't want to say, I mean, it's probably average, I would say. Nothing crazy special. Um, but like Jordan Travis and Florida State are coming up. There are, are, are some good teams on the schedule that are going to run the ball even more. And if Virginia Tech doesn't force a, a quarterback to throw it more than 16 times for 46 yards, that's a problem. Goes to what Andy and Chris are saying. This is a big problem, and the fact that Rutgers was one-dimensional and Tech still couldn't stop it, and you know, I, I would, I will give the defense some kudos. The defense forced f seven punts in the game, and Geo, you asked uh, Andy and Chris earlier about you know when uh, when it score got to twenty-one sixteen. I thought there was some hope because the defense had gotten three straight stops, had been on the field for less than 59 seconds after forcing a three and out. That that unit was rolling, but it only took one play to, to kind of break the dam, so to speak. 
Well, good time to break things up a little bit here and remind everybody that the Tech Sideline podcast is also brought to you by Coldwell Banker Townside Realtors, trusted real estate services for the Roanoke and New River Valleys of Virginia. If you're in the market to purchase or sell a residential property, or if you're looking for land or investment property in Southwest Virginia, we have you covered. With three offices in the area, we serve Blacksburg, Christiansburg, Radford, Roanoke, Salem, Vinton, Smith Mountain Lake, and all all of the surrounding areas. Visit cbtownside.com to learn more. All right, Andy kind of brought us to that big picture conversation. I want to take it there a little bit further here and ask you guys this. I've been asked this question a handful of times and I've literally said, ask Andy and Chris. They know the answer better than I do. How much of this is injuries or how much of this is Virginia Tech's really just not that good this year? Or is it all of all of the above? Obviously, yes. <laughs> um, I like I said, key injuries are holding the team back at certain positions, wide receiver and safety specifically. But you know that that doesn't excuse eleven yards rushing against Purdue, and that doesn't excuse a bunch of defenders who are returning starters missing a lot more tackles than they were last year. It doesn't excuse you know defensive linemen that have a lot of experience and a ton of snaps under their belt not playing as well as they did last year. So it hurts, but it doesn't hurt any more than like some of the regression we've seen from some key players, in my opinion. And injuries happen. I mean, that's part of football. You're going to get that every season. It's on the coaches to figure out a way to mitigate that. You know, how are you going to limit the weaknesses you have by having two brand new safeties back there? What do you have to call differently to make that work? Who do you have to shift around to make that less of a problem? So, you know, this is why they pay the coaches so much prize making $4 million a year to figure this out. And right now they're not coming up with solutions to that. So I think that's the part that, you know, Hokies fans have to be, you know, hit their head against the table. I think they'll probably maybe kick themselves a little bit. Like I'm assuming that either Delane or canteen will move to safety this week. Don't know that for a fact, but that's my assumption probably won't show up on the depth chart per se, but that's no, absolutely not. But that's what will happen during the actual game. Um, I, I expect they probably wish they had made that move earlier because I don't think Jones has made the game to game progress like they were hoping that he would. But I think it's reached the point now where, yes, you do have to make that personal personnel move to help your defense. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's a combination of everything, Gio. It's a team that was already razor thin. I think you look back to last year and it is, I don't want to say amazing, but maybe amazing how few injuries Virginia tech had last year. This is me saying this, Tech's heading into week four, and Virginia Tech has, knock on wood, jinx, gone two years so far, or a year and four weeks, without having an offensive lineman injured outside of Jesse Hansen, who had to medically retire. Virginia Tech has now had any injuries up front, but that group is just not that talented, I don't think. But last year, Tech didn't have many injuries across the board. Now injuries are starting to pile up, and the depth is showing again. I think all of us before the season, we all felt pretty good about Tech at a lot of areas because the starters were were pretty solid. Um, I would say we were all pretty confident about the defensive tackles, and they don't have any injuries, but as Chris talked about, they didn't really get much going on the ground against Rutgers. I'm hopeful we requested to talk to J.C. Price this week, one, because he has a connection to Marshall, but I'm also curious to see what he has to say about that push up front. But then you look at the spots that have had injuries and Virginia Tech starting 
Keonta Jenkins, or sorry, Caleb Woodson at star linebacker because Keonta Jenkins only played three snaps because he's injured. You're starting a true freshman there at linebacker. Alan Tisdale, for whatever reason, did not play. We don't know why. Um, Jaden Keller, you know, PFF says he graded out okay, but as Chris said, not a guy who's a natural Mike linebacker. Overall, across the board, Tech Tech's starting lineup was okay. Probably could have could compete with maybe the average teams in the ACC before the season, but then you just cut it down. As I wrote about over the weekend, if you go back to the beginning of the season, there were eight guys who were listed at starters at one point that are not playing or they picked up an injury um, on Saturday at Rutgers. Jalen Stroman was was that one. Alan Tisdale didn't play. You go Grant Wells, Ollie Jennings, Jalen Lane, Nick Gallo. I mean, it's across the board. Eight starters makes it really, really tough, but it's also a combination of there's no depth behind them. And Brent Pride talks about this. We need to build depth every single week. But at some point, it just you, some at some point you, I feel like you have to just throw young guys in in situations and hope for the best and take the lumps that come with them because um, there there's only so much wiggle room now and, and I guess that's kind of what you're seeing with with Jalen Jones and Mose Phillips right they haven't played necessarily well in the run game and they're in positions where you hope they didn't have to be Andy and I talked about this on our drive back yesterday Virginia Tech probably I'm sure hope that Jalen Jones and Mose Phillips weren't going to have to play a lot at all this season. And now they're potentially going to be Tech's two starters unless there's a change made. That goes. That is just one example of how thin Tech is. Well, Andy, uh, you know, we had kind of talked about it, and I want to ask you this question. Rutgers was a very, very big game. Now you got Marshall coming up, and is it too early to start throwing out the words must win going into week four? I did. I hate that phrase. Uh, cause it's not like the program just folds if you lose. <laughs> it's not like, it's like, all right, we just pack up shop and, and that's it for Virginia Tech football. So you know, there, there's still an entire ACC season after that. So I really loathe that phrase cause it sounds very dramatic sometimes, but in terms of can this team get to a bowl game? And I know Hokies fans get all over. They can't even win a game. They're not going to go to a bowl games. Like, all right. We're talking big picture here and what they can still accomplish this season. What I thought was a reasonable goal coming into this season and, and marked improvement from last year to get to a bowl game, get to six wins. If you lose this week and you're one and three going into ACC play, that seems like a really long shot. I don't see five wins on the ACC schedule. Now, I might not see four either, but much better chance of getting to four and, and scrapping out four than uh, having to get five. So, uh, you know, this was considered a manageable non-conference schedule. I, I think you looked at it and you go, man, Tech could win all four of those games. Tech could lose all four of those games. That's just where this program is right now. Uh, if you come out of that one and three, when a lot of people were thinking three and one, two and two at worst, uh, you're sort of behind the eight ball. And and then you start the ACC play with Pitt. I know Pitt has not been great. They've got offensive issues, but I think that's just a team that physically will just come in and go, all right, this is a fist fight. And I don't know if that's a game that Virginia Tech is well-equipped to play. And then you have Florida State after that. You lose this week, one and five is a very real possibility. You win this week, you know, Pitt, you know, who knows how that can go. I think you're just in a much better situation, obviously, uh, by winning the game. But, man, it, it, just like starting starting games in a 17 nothing hole or 21-3, starting the season one and three, 
it's going to be really hard to get to that goal, even if you make progress over the rest of the year. That, that's pretty much my take as well. Um, if any game is a must win, well, it kind of depends on what your goals are. And I think that's what we kind of established the goal was going into the season. Just six and six and making bowl. I thought that was reasonable. I think we all thought that was reasonable. No more than less than that, but you also don't want the same record as you had last year, basically. You should do better than that, I feel like. Um, Schedule eased uh, up too this year. Well, it'd be tough to have, go three and eight again. Exactly. We need a cancellation. Right, right, right. I don't know yeah, if that's exactly. going to happen. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I have a general question for everybody. Like, what would you set the three games into the season? What would you set the over under win total for Virginia Tech this season total right now, based on everything you know right now? Mm. Two and a half. I'd, I'd I would go, go higher than that. I'd go four. I'd go four. I would go three and a half. I yeah. Uh, I mean, you said that was too low, so I would go three and a half. <laughs> I, I would go three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, and uh, yeah, three I'd, and a half, four, somewhere in that range. I yeah. think. Right now, if I had to like make a prediction, I'd say they probably win three games this year. After watching, and where do the other two wins come, and in which order are they most likely? I mean, Virginia, 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 Virginia and yeah. Boston College are teams that are on their level, right? I mean, if you're looking at like where you are in the ACC pecking but they order, never go win oh, up there. God, I can. They've, well, I've seen them win at BC before. Yeah, it has Fair. happened. It, ha- uh, it has happened before, but not not BC recently. Just almost beat Florida they're, State, so maybe they're getting a little that better. That quarterback for BC ran all over Florida State. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. yeah, they could beat March. I know they're nine point underdogs. Amazing. I don't know what the line has moved to mm-hmm. since it opened uh, at Marshall. I think they could win there again. I, I don't feel like they've played their best football. Obviously, no question. So there's going to be games, and and you you line up the games. You go, oh, they're not going to beat this team. Not going to beat this team. And it's like on that day, maybe you could win a game. Sure. Maybe maybe you can pull it out. And and the result is not how everybody thinks it's going to go. But man, it is looking uphill uh, to even get to to like four or five wins. Yeah, I mean. At some point, that will happen. Like, Tech, by all accounts, should not have been in the game with NC State last year. Right. But they were. True. Um, things like that. So that's going to happen at Liberty, some point. Liberty, they, they were, what, 10 and a half point dogs yeah, at Liberty, and the they, they won the You're game. You're saying at some point, a team will play down to Virginia Tech's level. Yeah. Or they'll play up to the. Or, to the or, yeah, they'll they'll not come to Florida but, State until. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, well, I, I, I don't think they're going to look at a Florida um, State as one. But they're, I mean, they're, yeah. you know, from week to week, there's there's going to be variance in how your yeah. team plays. Yeah. And I don't think Virginia Tech has necessarily played well I in agree. any of these games. I mean, I think they could have played better against ODU despite mm-hmm. what the score was. They obviously could play better against Purdue and, and obviously could play better against Rutgers. So. Uh, haven't seen the best version of Virginia Tech. I don't know what the best version is when when they do put that all together, but haven't seen it yet. So, you know, we'll see. Let's let's kind of look at this and like where are spots that are going to help when you get certain guys back. Obviously, you'd like to think you're going to have Jalen Lane this weekend. You should, right? And considering he almost went this past week uh, against Rutgers, you're probably not going to have Ali for quite some time. I would not anticipate him. We don't know anything about Alan Tisdale. Um, he was injured. We know right. that. All coach undisclosed said injury. Yeah. It wasn't just an, an, a mystery absence, right? Uh, but it must have happened late in the week because he we talked to him on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, coaches typically don't uh, have guys talk to the media. They're going to be held out of the game. Right. If you had to pick like three guys that you're like, man, they could come back, and within the next, I'd say. Five weeks and make a serious impact. Who are they? Ah, uh, I mean, obviously Jalen Lane. Uh, we don't know what Strowman's injury is, so I have no, no idea. Jaylen, I was gonna say Lane and the two safeties. The two Strowman safeties, and Peoples. Right. I mean, Peoples. Peoples was at the game. He had right. his leg in a, a sleeve. Uh, I've heard that was at the game. I've, he I've, was yeah. not dressed. Or I've he heard, was in a jersey. I've heard Peoples is PCL. 
Um, I don't know a timetable on a PCL injury. Um, I would anticipate he'll be back at some point. I just don't know how long that lasts. But, yeah, those three guys. I would think Strowman would be back before him. You would think. Uh, yeah. Uh, but just having one of those safeties back would help a lot, yeah, especially if then you can move uh, a Monsoor or exactly. Canteen over there and help out a little bit with some of that work. More, sev- more severe, Google tells me, more severe injuries for PCL tears uh, take three to four months. If surgery is required, it's way more. If it if it's not as bad, it depends on ther- essentially physical therapy it's and a, how if how it's a partial tear. Yeah, so it, it all depends. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the safeties are the two you have to go with, and then Lane because um, you know Jennings isn't coming back anytime soon, even though Tech hasn't announced that. Um, Lane, I think, could make a big difference. And I thought, all things considered, Daquan Felton was pretty good against Rutgers. Got to make he, that He dropped that one. Yeah. He came back and he caught did. a touchdown right after that, though. Yeah. I mean, it, was, I, I, it, it was a good bounce back, is what I'm was. saying. Sometimes yeah, a guy yeah. would drop a long pass like that and it'd just be like, shut it down for the game. Like, yeah. oh, I can't believe I made that mistake. He played well uh, in the fourth quarter and continued but I, to make plays. He took a hit, too. That catch he caught out yeah. of bounds. Kind of surprising. He said that, he, that said he got the flag. wind knocked they, out of him. They throw flags on anything that seemed like borderline targeting now or take a look at it. I, I thought that was an interesting one that they did. I believe that Tristan Ray that's the play he's going to take a look at for his officiating column there we for go. us this week. Yeah, but I thought Jalen Lane, he's a difference maker. And in the way that he's he's quick and speedy and you can get him the ball on the flat and he can make guys miss and get upfield. And that's something Virginia Tech doesn't really have. And we, sure, we saw a couple of these young guys, and this is what Pry talks about building depth. We saw Aiden Green, Xavion Turner, Bradshaw get their first catches in their career. Or... Yeah, but if you get a guy like Jalen Lane back, this is a guy who's dynamic all over the place. And and then you look at the safety. We already talked about that. There are glaring depth issues there. You need Peoples and Stroman back if you can get them healthy. I also am very curious about Tisdale. He's played. He improved. I wrote a story on him last week. He kind of made a similar jump that Dax Hollyfield made last season. He got a lot better. He's not a an A plus talent, I don't think, at Mike linebacker, but he's gotten a lot better under Chris Marv's tutelage. We don't know why he's not injured or why he what his injury is and why he didn't play. Um, but I think he's a guy that could potentially help too, though he hasn't been fantastic against the run. He's not like a Dax Hollyfield plug against the run. And also, once they get Christian Derrissaw back, they'll be... Oh, wait, no, that, that's the Vikings. Never mind. The Vikings could desperately need him back. <laughs> Imagine uh, adding him to this offensive line, though. That, that's the problem with the offensive line. They don't have somebody out that they're waiting for to come back. The cavalry is not coming in that part of the game. You were also mentioning, uh, David, the freshman wide receivers. Takai Heath comes in the game, and then he gets banged up. He yeah, played like kinda. two or three plays, yeah. right? And then, then he comes off with a hand or wrist injury, it looked like. Uh, just when it rains, it, it pours Probably. with injuries sometimes, and it's it's pouring on the Hokies right now. One thing we did not talk about is Tech missed that field goal, and then later on they got it to a point where they could have, at that point, if that field goal goes in, that two-point conversion would have tied the game. Granted, they didn't get the two, but, you know, you're kind of looking at a different game here if you end up making that, and it was, what, a 34-yarder, David? Can you fact 36. that? 36-yarder? Yeah. It just feels like you need your points there. And well, they haven't, they haven't scored offensively in the first quarter yeah. this year. I mean, the, the special teams is outscoring them because ODU sailed a snap out of the end zone uh, in the opener. It's just can't start games like that. It's just deflating. 
if you're playing from behind all the time, you, you put a decent drive together like that and miss a field goal at the end of it or a turnover that they had right away in the game. It's just they have come out of the gate very bad so far. And then, you know, Price said it afterwards, you know, that's on us to figure out what's wrong there. We got to fix that because you, you can't start games like that over and over. What did you think of Kyron's pick? It was kind of on the far sideline or the near sideline for you because you were on, up in the press box. Um miscommunication did he miss the throw it seemed like really more than anything a really nice play by the defensive back it was it was a strange play because there were two receivers in the same area yeah. benji gusnell actually like hit daquan felton's knee with his helmet it kind of snapped his head back i'm like man is he gonna be able to continue he apparently was fine uh that guy get takes a lot of hits and just beat up and all he's like the operation man he's got like a big wrap on his shoulder and he's had his knees uh repaired before um I don't know what I, it looked like. It was maybe a busted play or improvised play because I don't know how you throw where two guys are converging in the exact same spot because it brought both defenders to the same spot too, and that's how they ended up picking off the pass. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I, I haven't. I didn't go back and watch the replay, but whenever you see two receivers pretty much at the exact same spot, that's generally a sign that something went wrong in the play. Um, so the play was busted from the start because of that, probably. And then you know he complicated matters because there were two defenders there. And, you can't throw the ball in an area where there are two defenders. And it was also a great play on the ball by, by the Rutgers defense. That didn't hurt them, though. The Rutgers didn't right. score off they, that drive. Exactly so. right. The, the yeah. funniest thing from the press box is I couldn't even tell that it was picked at first. Mm. I just saw the two tech wide receivers run into each other. And for a second, I thought the same thing that happened in Jennings happened to Felton, where Benji Gosnell kind of rolled up on him for a second. And then and it looked like, like, what in the world just happened? And then Rutgers runs away with the ball, and it's like, they picked that off. Um, I think it was just bad communication. But again, if if, if th- those two, and I think this goes back to the bigger point about drones, if those are his two mistakes, a botched snap on the second play of the game and a throw into double coverage when guys are running, con- probably the, you know, th- there's a bit mis- miscommunication there. If those are his only two mistakes for the game, like the biggest two, that's a positive. Those are fixable mistakes going forward. And I think this all goes to, to show you that Outs, you know, drones played a pretty clean game otherwise, and he opened things up. Chris, I think you wrote yesterday, Bashal Tootin had like 4.1 yards per carry. Yeah. Uh, as a result, that is a positive. Tech was able to run the ball a little bit better because of drones' play. I, I think, again, he has to be the guy going forward, and I think if Tech can clean up those types of mistakes, he will be even better. Right. The one, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say my issue is, though, like, I agree if he cleans up those mistakes, but, like, really over the last two years, how many mistakes have we seen Virginia Tech clean up? Hey, I'm, I'm putting I'm putting in perspective. You're the one saying that. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> ladies, ladies. All right. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, too, here, uh, I was thinking in my head, Hey, let me go back and look. Like, did Kyron throw a pick on a third down trying to make a play, extend the drive? Nah, we got the kickoff, and then that was the first and 10 from the 25 that he throws the pick. So that was a drive starter to throw an interception. Just a a tough way for that to shake out. Nevertheless, uh, guys, whether it's big picture about this ball game before we wrap things up today, your final thoughts on Rutgers, and, uh, of course, we'll preview Marshall later on this week. Rutgers is just one of those games that we're probably not going to remember at all 10 years from now, other than the fact that it happened. Um, Maybe I'll remember the crazy passing stats for Rutgers and the fact that they still won the game by three scores, but 
I, I think the main thing, like I'm thinking more like bigger picture now than anybody else. I know everybody is going to want to talk about each and every week the quarterback situation and things like that. But, um, you know, we're Virginia Tech has lost nine consecutive games against Power 5 teams. At that point, and, and, this, and some of those have been close, don't get me wrong, but five of those nine have been by 17 points or more or, or 16 points or more and by an average of two touchdowns. That's not competitive football. So if you get to the end of the season and that trend continues, you know, what does pride do? Does he, does he believe that making changes on his staff or anything like that is the way to go? I'm, I'm actually already thinking more about that than I am next week. That's just the way I am as a, as a, as a thinker. Once I see something that I don't think is going to work, I immediately mentally move ahead to something else. So I know everybody wants to talk about quarterback and things like that, but like I'm, and I I agree about the spark that drones brought, but at the same time in the end, two turnovers and 16 points. If, if that's an improvement, that means Virginia tech has been horrible. Um, So I want to, by the end of the season, I want to feel better about the big picture by the end of the season, regardless of record. That's, that's the main thing I'm looking for right now. Yeah, Virginia Tech's one of the worst teams in Power 5 right now. No question. I mean, it's just in black and white, that's what it is. It's going back to that pinstripe bowl uh, in 2021, they're 1 in 10. Or, yeah, 1 in 10 against Power 5 competition. Uh, went back and looked it up. Northwestern, I think, is 1 in 11 in that time. UVA is 1 in 9. That's the company you're in right now. Virginia, you know, historically not a great ACC program, the bot and the cellar dweller there, and then Northwestern, and look at all the issues Northwestern is going through. And Virginia Tech is in that same neighborhood. Uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't feel like the progress that you'd like to see in year two is happening. And, you know, year one, maybe say Mulligan. You know, look at the talent level on this roster. They brought in a lot of talent in this offseason. They've had a year... Uh, to put their stamp on how this thing is working, and you're still not seeing the progress with it right now. Uh, and I think it's, it's a Hokies fans out there have to be frustrated by that because didn't take Duke two years to turn it around. Mike Elko's 12 and four in two years, mm-hmm. and you know I know rosters are all different and in different situations, but I saw that Duke defense in 2021. I saw what a you know, mediocre Virginia Tech offense did to it uh, in what turned out to be Justin Fuente's last game, where they, you know, the administration was so impressed by what they did to Duke in that game that they fired Justin Fuente three days later. <laughs> uh, Colorado was an absolute mess last year, one of the worst teams in, in, in football. That's and a little different. <laughs> it is a little different, but they hired a magnetic coach who within the confines of the rules has completely reshaped that roster. And now that program is, there's national buzz about it. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, you know, there's just two examples of programs that were in as bad a shape or worse shape than Virginia Tech, you know, following 2021, who have completely turned things around. And here are the Hokies. Uh, you know, what are they the last two years? Four and 10? Four and 10. Four and 10. And you keep hearing them talk about patience and slow build, putting this thing together. I can understand why fans are frustrated looking at the product they have right now and being told it's going to take longer to get this thing fixed. And the wins are over Liberty, Wofford, BC, BC, and OVU. Old Dominion, right? Yeah. And uh, like BC, if Virginia Tech and UVA aren't the worst Power Five programs, then it's Boston College, right? Right. right. You know, and so. if they, it, well, it'd be no, one thing. Northwestern. Northwestern. Okay. It'd be one thing if if you're seeing 
steady progress. Right. They were losing closer games. They're still losing these, you know, losing by 19. Yeah. At Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, Rutgers isn't, they're better this year, but I think they will be exposed coming up once they play the meat of the, the Big Ten schedule here. So I think it's that lack of progress and uh, just constantly be told, no, it's another year away. Be patient with that. I mean, that that's just going to make you lose your mind. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's frustrating for the fan base. I know it's such a good fan base. I mean, it's going to be three straight sellouts with the pit game. Which, I've heard, I've heard which the, would you like me to give you the kick time? Sure. It just came out. Andy, you're going to hate this. No, it's not noon, is it? Uh, 8 p.m. Oh. on the ACC network. Really, no way. Wow. They, they gave a prime time game? Yeah. They that's, like they like their late Sandman. One. I bet I bet Tech gets really good ratings for ACC I'm Network. Sure, games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've heard I've actually heard the Wake game is fairly close to selling out too. So it could be four consecutive sellouts. Like what a loyal fan base because they're not getting a, a great. I know people from North Carolina who flew from North Carolina to Rutgers for that game the other day. You know, so wow. Tech fans are a very very patient group. But at some point, the the script has got to flip, and they got to start start start. Excuse me, start winning some football games. Eight p.m. No kidding. Yeah, that's wild. What's coming up on TechSideline.com this week? Tristan Raish should have an article about uh, officiating as usual. Brandon Patterson will have video breakdown of the game and uh, preview of Marshall. We'll do our regular Marshall preview. Normal media stuff Tuesday, Wednesday, I assume. Q&A. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see who they give us. We're we're not sure yet who's coming. Uh, assuming Drones is going to be the quarterback again, maybe I'll write something anybody on, interviewed on Drones him yet? this week. Yeah, we've With, talked to him in the past before. We talked to him post-game okay. uh, on Saturday. They did not bring a quarterback. We requested quarterbacks last week. They did not bring one. We'll see what they do this week. Okay. David, anything for you? Yeah, well, I got I want one quick thing, and then I've got two questions. Um, they kind of touched on all that. I just wanted to, to touch on the depth chart stuff and the injuries because I saw a lot of people complaining about how, you know, the depth chart's not accurate. Uh, Virginia Tech is, you know, as evident with Grant Wells last week where after the game Brent Price said, uh, yeah, he barely practiced at all last week. Um, you know, Virginia Tech is, is, I guess, not necessarily always telling the, the entire truth when it comes to the depth chart. So take everything on the depth chart with a grain of salt um, because as we said before, you know, Chris said what Nasir Peoples' injury might be, and Nasir Peoples is still listed on the depth chart, even though he hasn't played the last two weeks and probably won't play this week. Um, I assume he'll be listed on the depth chart tomorrow. So there, Tech isn't necessary. You know, this is Nick Gallo was listed, same team Nick Gallo was listed as a starter for week one when we knew he was going to be out for the season. Again, take everything with a grain of salt. I have two questions. Um, and kind of goes to, to the big picture thing. Do you guys, uh, this is from ONB Hokey. do you guys get a sense of urgency f- uh, from Pry and the staff? Not saying he should be losing his cool and panicking in front of cameras or the team, but being around him and the staff, do you feel like there's a sense of recognition that the fan support, which of course, as we said, will be multiple sellouts, won't stay this strong forever? And that Tech is at a very fragile state as a program. I keep, I, I few keeps, uh, uh, if it, Tech could continue slipping uh, deeper into this pit of irrelevance, and at some point, you know, there might not be a, a hole to climb out of. I think Pry is so good in front of a camera and putting on a smiling face, even when things are going poorly, that even if there was a sense of desperation or something like that, that he wouldn't show it. You wouldn't be able to really sense it, per se. I think as far as that goes, 
actions speak louder than words. So you won't be able to get a feel for anything like that until the end of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, these losses eat at these guys. No doubt. Like whatever they're like afterwards and, you know, trying to, to be positive and uh, you know, be passionate about stuff. Josh Fuga was especially passionate in the postgame with uh, his quote that he read at the end. I mean, they put so much work into this stuff in the offseason. They have so much invested into this program that losses like this, like people might be like, oh, man, they just don't even care or something like that. They care. They care a lot, uh, and I, I think you don't always see that in the press conferences, and you don't always see that in the interviews like that, but it's there, and these losses hurt, and they want to turn this thing around as bad as anybody else does. Last question before we go. Uh, if you guys had to name an, an, an MVP from the first three weeks of the season. Hmm. Hmm. I think our Virginia Tech's most consistent player on either side of the ball so far has been Stroman. But the thing is, you know, he uh, – he hadn't been out there all the time. He got hurt this past week, and then uh, dude, he got the targeting in, in game one, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think when he's been on the field, he has been Virginia Tech's most consistent player, in my opinion. Uh, Peter Moore. I'll go with Peter Moore. Even though he had, he had a bad oh, punt the other day. Yard punt. He had a bad punt, but you know, he had that bad punt. He still averaged four, almost 43 yards a kick. Player of the, player of the ACC Player of the Week in yeah. week two. Uh, maybe that's a... Telling staff that your punter has been the most I'd be impressive to go, so far. Uh, with Kyle Lowe, I lots, think, lots of touchbacks. Yeah, <laughs> lots, lots, lots of touchbacks. Or, or maybe another, another way to say it is Ali Jennings, and he's been injured since the second <laughs> yeah. game. He, he was that good in the first game. I mean, you look at the tackle numbers, you, you can't not like uh, Kelly Lawson. I don't know. Jalen yeah. Lane, I thought, brought something special yeah, to the sure. offense. I would, that was the, I would say in the first that, two games, Lane was yeah, on fire. An edge that nobody else brought. And I don't know if Rucker, I'm not saying we win. I just don't know if, if you had 100% Jalen Lane, and maybe not this 80 to 90% that Brent Pry talked about in his press conference. But if you had 100% healthy Jalen Lane, maybe some things go differently um, and you make some bigger plays in the past game or whatever, or freeze up Quan for a couple more hours, whatever it may be, um, I think he's kind of an X factor, no doubt. Oh, I think you could make an argument for the first game and a half, you know, he could be considered the MVP. But, you know, kind of like Stroman, he uh, he hasn't been there the whole time. I, I, I picked Stroman because he has played in all three. So is Peter Moore. It's true. It's so true. So, so is Kyle, Kyle Lowe. Lowe. Peter Moore's finished all three games, too. That's so That's true. True. Never been hurt. And he's the captain. <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. That, you can't go wrong with that. There you go. A little bit less physical demand at the punter position than safety, though. So Right. All right. Well, I think that wraps things up for episode 312 of the Tech Sideline podcast. For Nick Brown behind the scenes, David Cunningham, Andy Bitter, Chris Coleman, I'm Giovanni Heater saying so long. We'll see you on Thursday, and we'll preview Marshall. It's episode 312 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We'll see you later on in the week.